the daily discipline of speaking to your soul. Okay, well, I am so excited about today. Genuinely, I've been looking forward to this um, because I've got a friend of mine on the show, but really is an international speaker. He's a best-selling author, and we should call you the sumo guy because that's what you are. But I, I know you, Paul McGee, uh, is amazing. It's great to have you on here. Mark, it's, it's brilliant to be here. Yeah, most people can never remember my name is Paul McGee. You've done very well. Even my mum struggles with it sometimes. But yeah, I'm known <laughs> as the sumo guy because I wrote a book in 2005 called Sumo. It's an acronym. Sumo literally started off its life simply standing for shut up, move on. Some people think that sounds aggressive. Some people love it. So we've also ad adopted it or adapted it to have an alternative definition, particularly when working in education. S-U-M-O can also stand for stop, understand, move on. And get this, Mark, because this is going to impress your listeners. It'll go over your right. head because it's quite deep and intellectual, <laughs> but your listeners will probably grasp it. And it's simply this, sumo is a word, not as an acronym, but as a word in Latin can mean to choose. And the thrust of a lot oh. of what I talk about is, you know, choices have consequences. And, and also, Lovely. my mate Drew Povey always says this. He says, every day is a choose day. C-H-O-O-S-E. D-A-Y. Now, that's gone over your head because I mentioned the word Latin and you automatically went into a deep slumber. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully yeah, yeah. for your listeners, when they're next chatting to someone, they can weave that into a conversation. It's great. It's so fantastic. Well, how many books have you written just as out of interest? Well, I've written, um, I've written 12 books. I, I, I've written, I, I got told off the other day because I said I've written 11 adult books and someone raised their eyebrow. What, what do you mean by adult books? And I meant books for <laughs> yeah. adults, books for adults. And my 12th one, my 12th one is actually aimed at young people. So I think worldwide sales probably get off about 300,000, which, which sounds a lot to some people. But, you know, the books have been out, some of them since the mid 1990s but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm known in some circles as an author but i see myself more specifically as a speaker and coach well you're one of my friends and i'll never forget the day that i was at an airport and i saw one of your books in the bin yeah. and i thought <laughs> wow he's <laughs> no i saw one of your books in the bookstore at the airport, and I was like, oh, this is my friend. He's he's made it. It's good. Well, you and, see, uh, my mum. And we're going to sort of... Un yeah. Just so you know, Mark, my mum, which has been a bit troubled, but she, her full-time uh, job, she travels around airports and railway stations around the country, just <laughs> dropping my books on shelves. I mean, the, the bookstores never take them normally, good, but I've got I my like mum to thank... And thanks for finding it in the bin. I presume you were out shopping with Tamsin at the time and she got there just before you. But that's all good, mate. It's all good. Great, great, great. Well, listen, I'm I'm looking forward to the banter between us because I know I know we um, can get going. But I did want to ask you a few questions because um, the whole reason my podcast, this is called Soul Focus, and it came about because I, um, I went on a huge mission in 2012 and then when I got on the, off the back of that, you know, I went through probably one of the bleakest times of my life. And off the back of that, I've learned about speaking to my soul and I've learned about managing my mind. 
And so I was really, I was excited to kind of ask you, um, because obviously some of the things that you've written, one of the things that I've seen in a few of your books is the most important person you can speak to is yourself. Yeah. And uh, I obviously love that. So just unpack that a little bit for me, because, you know, that's exactly my message. The actual thing I say to people, I mean, I talk in, in a different, in most often in a non-church context, but I, I'll always go, besides God, if you believe in God, who's the most important person I've ever talked to? And, and it's yourself. I want you to think of this little, um, another acronym, a bit of acronym overload, because you've got SUMO, shut up, move on, stop, understand, move on. But what do you think about the acronym TIA? T-E-A-R, and the T stands for thinking. The conversations, in other words, that we have with ourselves. We sometimes call it our self-talk or in a dialogue. I use the language thinking. And how I think about me, how I think about other people, how I think about the world, how I think can ultimately affect my emotions, the E, or how I feel. So my thinking, which can influence my emotions. Yeah. The A is therefore my actions, and the R is results. So... If I'm getting into a situation where I'm thinking I'm not good enough and I can't do this, then how am I feeling? What are my emotions? I'm lacking confidence. Maybe I'm very anxious. My actions might be, in a sense, not to take action, not to do something, not to come out of my comfort zone because I'll probably fail. So what's the result? Well, I don't do anything, do I? Which can reinforce my initial thinking. Whereas if my thinking, so I call that, sometimes I talk about faulty or fruity thinking. And, and faulty thinking is, in a way, it's a way to describe ways of thinking that in a sense don't produce fruits they don't make you fruitful and impactful and abundant yeah but they are faulty and those conversations can be really unhelpful for us and i then talk about fruity thinking so for instance just let's say you're you're, you're trying something for the first time and, you, and your mindset is now well i've never done this before but i'm going to give it a go and, and i've heard about this little other acronym fail F-A-I-L, first attempt in learning. So even if I fail, it's a first attempt in learning. So, you, so your thoughts are, I'm going to try yeah. and do this. Makes you feel a certain way. Even if I fail, it's not a problem. I take an action. I get a result. So often what people don't appreciate, Mark, is we sort of get some poor outcomes or bad results in life. And what we don't always appreciate is how they link to our initial thoughts and our beliefs. I mean, Romans 12, verse 2 um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, and as, as people with a faith, we're encouraged actually on things. Yeah. It's not just to worship God with our heart and our soul, but also with our mind. So being transformed by the renewing of your mind, I think is very, yes. very powerful. And I call that fruity thinking. That is absolutely brilliant. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I've been chatting about is like learning how to kind of manage your mind. So I thought it'd be good, a little bit of confession time, you know. Now, the last time you confessed some stuff to me, I think we'd probably best to leave that, yeah? Let's leave yeah. that for another day. But let my <laughs> confession be this. I wanted just to kind of sort of confess that sometimes I find myself putting a lot of mental energy into things that are actually really, actually pretty rubbish. Let me give you a, a, an example. You know, somebody said something, somebody I don't really know them very well, and they said something about kind of something that I do, and I've obsessed on this sentence that they said, and I've thought about it 
they've they've never given it another thought. And I've spent all this mental energy, wasted all this mental energy on this sentence that they've said. And why should they say that? And what have they done? And did they do? Can you help me? What? What? How can I stop when I, I'm on this downward spiral and wasting mental energy on something that is pretty pointless? I don't think you'll be the only person that's ever done that, Mark. And when you think about sumo as stop, understand, move on, the understand bit is really important. Um, we are um, we need to appreciate our, our history and our ancestry. And that's one of the most dominant parts of our brain. And you may go, where are you going with this, Paul? It is a long answer to a shortish question, but then you're used to that with me anyway. Um, 200,000 years ago, we're we're on the African savannah and our brains, which we still have now, what I call our primitive emotional part of our brain, evolved predominantly to help us survive and succeed on the savannah. You may think, okay, fair enough. What's that going to do with me now, 200,000 years later? If you, 200,000 years ago, were going for a a hunting trip with your mate Colin um, and you came across this landscape where you came across all these grazing gazelles, there's about 50 of them, you're suddenly looking and you're going, meat, 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 food, survival. By the way, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, I do apologise, but just go with the analogy. So you see all this good stuff. It's for your survival. You're thrilled. Colin suddenly notices in the distance, as a saber-toothed tiger, it's a threat. And all of a sudden, you were thinking about lunch, but if you ignore the threat, you'll be someone's lunch. Okay, Paul, very interesting. Why do I need to know that? Because our brains, Mark, and this is going to help everyone who's listening to this or watching it, our brains evolved to make sure that part of our brain, that above all, survival is its, one of its primary purposes, staying alive, to, to, to coin a BG song from 1977. And therefore, our brain, your brain, Mark, it prioritizes bad news. Right. And in a sense negativity sticks to the brain like Velcro. When you sometimes obsess about something, it's very interesting. When I've just spoken at an event for 100 people, if the um, organiser contacts me and says, 100 people on it, Paul, 98 thought it was amazing. What's my first question? What would be your first question? What are the other two things? They then say, oh, they didn't like it, da-da-da-da, for this reasons. When my wife then says to me, Paul, what was the feedback like? What do we talk about? The 98 that said it was amazing or the two that thought it was negative. But let's just understand our evolutionary history here for a moment is that our brains above all wanted to survive. So we are we prioritize bad news. We notice the negatives. But that on the African savannah 200,000 years ago was really helpful right. because you want to be aware and alert to threats. Now what we've got though, is like you say, someone says to you uh, a, a, a sentence, and why is it that there could have been loads of good stuff they said about you, but you notice the negative? One of the things you're going to almost like to say to yourself is, ah, I see that's my brain, the old, you know, hunter gatherer type brain prioritizing bad news. So, first of all, I think to say to you and to anyone else is, you're pretty normal. Now, right. that's not a that's phrase helpful. that's often used yeah. to describe yeah. you, Mark, but I'm going to say it today. You are very normal in the fact that you will often fixate on the negative. Mm. But that actually just needs us to understand, oh, that's the brain just wanting to kind of like go in a little bit over, over, overboard. 
So what I'll often do is to like, first of all, just go, okay, that's natural and that's normal. So just take the pressure off yourself. Don't beat yourself up. And go, why do I do this? Why do I do it? Mm. And just say, that's my brain doing its normal thing. It wants you to notice the negative because that could be a potential threat, not necessarily a physical threat, but a psychological threat to your self-esteem. Yeah. Be aware that how easy it is also to what I would call, you just play trivial pursuits. You make a mountain out of a molehill. Great question to ask yourself sometimes might well be, all right, on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is mm. death or the end of the world, how big an issue is this really? And another question, and how important will it be in six months' time? So you've always got to talk to yourself. And I appreciate you'll talk about things about talking to yourself using scripture. Yeah. Wonderful. But I just would say <clears throat> getting a couple of perspective questions. So stop and understand why it happens. Yeah. And then secondly, hey, scale on to 10 with 10 staff. Where is it? How important will be in six months' time? Those kind of things can help you. And the other encouraging thing we want us all to think about is to ask ourselves this question. Who is in charge? The thinker or the thought? Because oh. we can be very much attach our identity to what we're thinking. Yes. Who's in charge? The thinker or the thought? Yes. We are in charge. And thoughts come, but guess what? Thoughts go. It's not the thought that's the real issue, Mark. Do you know what it is? It's the meaning that you give to that thought. Right. So someone's given a sentence. You fixated on it. It was a sentence. That's all it was. What the issue is for you is it's the meaning that you've attached to that sentence right. and how you're owning that meaning that is impacting you. So be aware. We notice negative. It's normal. Mm. Secondly, who's in charge? The thinker of the thought. thought and, yeah. and thirdly, get a bit of perspective. Ask yourself some good questions. And then finally, S-U-M-O, just shut up and move on. Shut up and move on. How rude, but how brilliant. Um, uh, one little thing I want to just say is that I don't know why when I saw you, my brain didn't catch up with me and I didn't just run for the hills. Do you know what I mean? I could have done that, but I've actually chosen to <laughs> make you my friend. And uh, yeah, I've not regretted it. Not yet. Well, you know, do, no, do you, we're encouraged to love our enemies, aren't we? We're encouraged to love our enemies. And that's true. what you're that doing with me. And true. I really appreciate that. Great. Now, this is a bit where I wanted to go there with you um, because we might fall out in this next question, yeah? And um, I'm Scottish, so I don't mind a little bit of headbutting, but um, we'll, we'll sort of see how you go on this. But I um, did this mission in 2012, and basically I got to the end of it, 70 days. I was absolutely shattered. I was spiritually, emotionally, mentally spent. And then... I thought that was the end, but it actually just became the beginning of my journey and I went through the bleakest time. And I know that you know this because you were one of my mates that helped me with it. But one of the things that I'm quite ashamed to say is that I really gave in to self-pity. And I've got a couple of memories where I really was feeling sorry for myself. Now, I'm a pretty positive, upbeat guy, but I was so consumed by my own self-pity. Now, what's come out of the back of that um, is that I'm a little bit harsh on self-pity now. I'm a bit like, 
ah, oh, I want no self-pity in my life. I, I, I read something from someone who said, self-pity is like the cancer of the soul. And I've kind of gone a little bit down that line. Now, having read some of your books, I know that you talk about hippo time. And you sort of almost give us a little opportunity to wallow a little bit. Now, I'm sort of pushing against that idea, but I want you to kind of help me. Why do you think I should wallow at all? Because surely I just, self-pity is a horrible thing. Great, great question. And I guess if you just thought of SUMO as an acronym, short move on, you'd go, well, why would I mention this concept of hippo time? And I always say SUMO is a philosophy, is a number of principles. I think one of the things is, you know, when you said, I am ashamed to admit, if I'm honest, Mark, I was sad to hear you say that. Because oh, okay. what you are saying is that I had a certain emotion and I feel it was not valid to have that emotion. You know, right. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is struggling. He is wrestling. If it's possible for this cup to be taken away from me, take it away from me. Jesus isn't exactly going, no worries, guys. I know I asked you to stop and pray for me and be with me because I need not, I don't want a solution. I need solidarity. But don't worry, boys, you sleep. Don't worry. No, no, no. Jesus is hurt by what happens. Yeah. So I think one of the things we have to appreciate is, and, and there's a spectrum to all of this. I get that. But I think we have to, so I, I'm very much of, we are humans, we're not machines. Right. You no, know, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. So Jesus felt sorrow. All right, it wasn't self-pity, but he was sad in a sense, even though he knew he was going to like rise, raise Lazarus from the dead. So first of all, I just think we need to stop and understand that emotions, whatever they are, are valid. That it's okay to not always feel okay. To feel like something to say mad, bad or sad is okay. Right. But you were saying I got into self-pity and I got into feeling shame about that. But also what I'd ask is almost say, you see, in many respects, you spent so much time planning that trip, planning those mm. 70 days. Yeah. That it's the equivalent of a an Olympian training for four years for the Olympics, then right. winning the gold, and then actually two weeks later feeling depressed. So you had that whole goal, and actually maybe the kind of yeah, you were emotionally, physically, spiritually drained. You were you were tired, you were exhausted. And I think we need to give ourselves permission sometimes to say it's okay to have a bit of recovery time. You know, hippos go into the mud and the water. To get out, one of the reasons they go, they're not just to have a bit of a wallow, but to get out the heat, to cool right. down and to play. You as a person, along with lots of other people, can give, 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 and you're giving out. And all of a sudden, you come to the end of what you do in this project. There's nothing else specifically to look forward to. And they can go on a bit of a downer. So it's sad. And I will say that it's sad that you felt shame. And I think mm. it would be almost ask yourself the question, all right, let's get a bit curious. Why do I feel the way I do? Maybe also interpret events that happen in our lives, not so much as life happens to you, but life happens for you. Because right. you could argue, Mark, that the experience you had after that event mm. is one of the reasons why you're doing this podcast that because it got you to true. look inwardly. Now, I yeah. understand this whole concept. Yeah, I, I understand this concept of self-pity. 
because you can get, you know, let's send out invites to the pity party, which is why mm. I always say, look, it's OK to have a bit of hippo time, but it's temporary. It's a detour. It's not your destination. But I, I think to that. sometimes process your pain, digest your disappointment, sit with your sadness is valid. The problem becomes is like months later, you're still digesting your disappointment, sitting with your sadness right, and processing right. your pain. That's when it's unhealthy. But I think to begin with, we need to give ourselves permission with all that people have been going through in the last few months, especially. Sure. Okay, maybe I might need a bit of hippo time. And don't always try, try and pretend to have the happy, clappy face on. Find people who you can have a bit of a wallow with where you can just be honest. You know, Jesus had not just his 12, but he's in a circle of three. And you wonder yeah. about the conversations that happened and, and the conversations with Mary's mother. And you just kind of go, it's it's sometimes we need to have those honest conversations and not beat ourselves up for feeling the way that we do, but try with some compassion to understand why we feel the way we do. That I really like that. I really like that. I, I think I think um, what what's been helpful for me just to hear you say is that you know it's actually quite good for me to think about well why did I feel shame about feeling sorry for myself and that is that's a good thing for me to think about and also I think what I enjoyed about what you were saying was that after you know you we don't want to stay there we do not want to stay you know it's not the destination now I know um that you are a massive um fan of gratitude you are find gratitude very very powerful um why why are you such a a fan of this idea and also there's a couple of practical things that you do regarding gratitude that i would love you to kind of chat about for our, everyone that's listening Sure. If you go back to the analogy of 200,000 years ago, you and your mate Colin are on the hunting trip and there's those 50 grazing gazelles and you think Colin. that's great, but then you notice the one threat. Don't worry. Well, I know you've probably not got many friends anyway, but let's pretend you knew someone called Colin. That's <laughs> <laughs> a very popular name 200,000 years ago. And the thing is, I talked to you about the saber-toothed tiger and you ought to notice the threat. Here's what happens in life if we're not careful. All those, those grazing gazelles, which are metaphors for good things and positive things, we ignore and we don't notice them from as much. So why is gratitude important? One, it, it's a biblical instruction that we should be thankful. Mm. Secondly, from a neuroscience point of view, if people were just to Google uh, the scientific benefits of, of gratitude, we find that there can be a release of oxytocin and serotonin in our brain that can be almost like a bit of a happiness cocktail. Wow. So it's actually good for us, but also from a point of view of our well-being and our resilience, we, we do need to acknowledge there is some tough stuff, tough, tough stuff going on in life. But if we're not careful, we get a distorted picture of that. We get a distorted picture because the news is full of what I call CNN, constant negative news. So why do we need to be yeah. have gratitude? Why need to be thankful? Because it actually boosts our well-being. So two things. One, every Sunday I I will get out my uh, my gratitude journal, 
and I will do right. a bit of a, a, a sort of like recap on my on my week, and I write down lots of things that have happened that week. And it's not a diary, but it's specifically things I'm thankful for. Now, what's really interesting, Mark, is you talk about having a, a, a challenging time of around 2012. I had a really, and you're aware of some of this, a really challenging, painful time. Um, between 2014 and 2015, a 12-month period that overlapped yeah. those two years, and when I got to the end of 20, when I got to the end of 2014, it was almost like I just wanted to go. I just want to forget this year, and the same with 2015. But actually, do you know what I did? Every Sunday, still, I got my gratitude journal out, and I still wrote in it. So when I got to the end of 2015 wow. and thought, I just want to be see the end of it. I was, because what you focus on magnifies, I just was focusing so much on this negative, but I disciplined myself every Sunday, write down things that happen you're grateful for. And I could not believe that in 2014 and 2015, how many amazing things still happened and that were good. Because yeah. we need to remind ourselves of those. Because remember, the brain, negativity sticks to the brain like Velcro. So you don't have to be taught how mm. to be negative. But to be more grateful and thankful, you do. Now, the other thing, so that's the first one, a gratitude journal. Some people do a daily one. I just do it weekly. But every night, and you may think this could get a bit dodgy, but what does Sumo do? Mm. Last thing at night before he drifts off to sleep. Here's what I do. I do my thankful for exercise. Oh. I want to say for, I'm saying F-O-U-R. So I go through my day. And I mentally replay my day. And I think of <clears throat> four things I am specifically thankful for that have occurred. Do you know what, Mark? I've never struggled to just find four. My struggle is to limit it to four. Because so many individual things we can take for granted. And, and I just, it's just really helpful. So what do I, there's a phrase I came across years ago. What you, what you take to bed with you travels the night with you. Ah. I'm not talking about your teddy bear. I'm talking about what's the last thing you watch, you read, you listen to, or you think about. And I, the last thing I think about, and it's a form of prayer for me, yeah. is my thankful for. And so as I'm drifting off to sleep, think about what's going into my soul or into my spirit or into my subconscious when you use that word. I drift off to sleep thinking about the four things or more that I'm thankful for for that day. So gratitude you can be the a vehement atheist and, and you'll just have to say well if that mentioned it in the bible two thousand years ago the bible was onto something yeah. because we now know from a neuroscience point of view how it helps us wow. the power of gratitude mm. and being thankful that is good i love that um one little problem is tonight one of my four because i think i might start doing this because that's very convincing one of my four is going to be that I'm thankful for having this interview with you. But let me just say to everyone, I don't want to be thinking about you through the night. Do you understand that? I mean, you're a good friend, but I don't want those nightmares. Do you understand? Do you hear what I'm saying, brother? Good. Mate, you... Don't think about me. Think about the words I said, mate. And also be thankful you're not a Wigan Athletic fan. <laughs> I mean, I know Forrest had not the best finish to the season last year. Not that I want to bring that forward. That may have given you a bit of time for hippo yeah, time. Absolutely. But one of the things you can be thankful for, and I thank you. I'm thankful I'm not a Wigan Athletic but, fan. And I don't look like Paul McGee. That McGinn. is true. So, you know, 
it'll be okay. You can turn it round for your benefit, mate. But as an aside, thanks for your words of encouragement there. They mean a lot to no, me. No, it's good. That I thinking of me could cause nightmares. I'm blessed. I, I am blessed to know you, mate. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we're just about to finish, and I I found this really practical and helpful. But what would be if, if someone? A lot of people that have been listening to um, Soul Focus have said that, you know, they do struggle. They do struggle a little bit with managing their thoughts, managing their mind. And, you know, in one of my episodes, I talk about getting on the tragic roundabout where my thoughts just go round and round and round. You know, have you got one final tip that would just be like, help us, how do we manage our minds better and going forward. You know, in many ways, it's what I repeated, I'll repeat what I said to you before, it's understanding what is your relationship with your thoughts. Mm. It's the thought. It's not your identity. It, it's not It's not necessarily the truth. You know, don't believe everything you think. It's a thought. So almost, there's a tip from um, a form of therapy called ACT, um, Action Commitment Therapy. Right. And one of the things about, sorry, not action, acceptance commitment therapy. And and you start with, when you're gonna have all the, the, the tragic going on thoughts, is first of all, you accept you're having them. Rather than keep beating yourself up and why don't I have them and why do I having them and, be, and make it a really intense experience. You almost like take the pressure off yourself and you go, are you accept you're having that thought? And then this is really powerful as a top tip. You say to yourself, because remember, besides God, if you believe in God, the most important person you can talk to is yourself. Yes. You say to yourself, I noticed I'm having a thought about dot, dot, right. dot. So I notice I'm having a thought about dot, dot, dot. Right. And what saying that does is it removes you a little bit and detaches you from that actual thought. You are not your thoughts. Don't believe everything you think. You know, if um, thoughts are like, you can create movies in your mind with the thoughts and stories you create in your mind. Just remember, you're the director and you can always shout cut. Or if it helps, you just go, oh, ah, I noticed I'm having that thought again. Mm. And remember your problem is not the thoughts, it's the meaning you attach and give to your thoughts. Brilliant. Now, you asked for one top tip. I've just thrown in 77 there. I yeah. do apologise. Yeah, no, but it's um, maybe it's time for me to sumo, no. shut up and move no, off. No, no, no. Listen, I've loved today. It's been great seeing your cheeky little face and hearing your words. And they've been so wise. They're <laughs> really great. But um, I want to say to anyone that's listening that the book Sumo, I can highly recommend it. I've read it, it's brilliant. I also love your book on self-confidence, great book. So people need to look up Sumo and get some of your stuff. We really believe a lot of your words are so life-giving and uh, it's been an excellent time. So I appreciate you brother and hopefully I will get a chance to do another little podcast like this. So bless you sir, see ya. 
I would love to do it. And I'll be just setting up a prayer group now uh, for your jumper. I hope <laughs> you get a new one in the future. Been great talking to you. Bless mate. you, mate. See ever. you. Don't forget, I only, I only insult the people I like. Good. Which must mean I love you. Good, man. All right, cheers, mate. Bless you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Soul Focus. I hope you found it helpful and engaging. Make sure you catch the rest of the series.